Hey everyone, my name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy. It's episode number 152 and as you'll notice, this is going to be a bit of departure. It's going to be different than all the other episodes. Um, uh, no, no intro music, no, no bumper, no, uh, no sponsors on this episode. Uh, just me talking to you a little bit about my trip to Walt Disney World. So I'm here in my hotel. Uh, the uh, uh, my wife and my son are just uh, just in the other room. Uh, they're trying to be very quiet while I do this. I thought it would be kind of fun to do it while it's fresh in my mind, uh, while we're here. So uh, this is uh, this was our last day in the parks. We've been down here for a week. We spent five days in the parks. Uh, tomorrow's our last day. Uh, we spend uh, like the morning and the early afternoon by the pool, uh, weather pending, obviously, and then. Um, uh, and then we hop on a plane and go back to New York City. So I want to talk to you about my experience da- down here at Walt Disney World, uh, not as an ad for Disney, um, but because my experience down here, the things um, that I've seen uh, directly relate to the things we talk about, uh, about uh, creating uh, streamlined operations, uh, about incorporating technology, about going above and beyond creating wow moments Right, the creating experiences and, and, and touch points and, and, and engaging with people in a way that they're going to talk about over and over and over. I'm going to share just three little stories, three little things that I've noticed over the course of this week. And I hope you'll go with me, right? Again, it's not an ad for Disney. Disney World is a lot of fun, uh, uh, I, but I, I don't care if you ever come to Disney World. What I do want you to take away is that these guys are, are doing some next level shit. They are at the next level uh, in, in, a, in a lot of ways. And I know, and we're probably thinking, and you'll probably think as we go through this episode, well, of course they're able to be at the next level, right? They're Disney. They've got all the resources in the world. But there's a lesson here. There are lessons here that, uh, that independent operators can take away, uh, that, that you can apply these lessons. The things they're doing, you can apply in a smaller way to your business to make a profound impact. Not make things just a little bit better for your, uh, for your uh, guests, but to make things much better. I want to start off by talking about the thing that was most striking about uh, the last five days uh, in the parks and staying on property in one of their Disney hotels, right? And that is their use of technology. So everyone who comes to Disney World is encouraged to download the Disney, it's like the My Disney app. This My Disney app is the thing that coordinates, integrates uh, in with your entire trip. You can go and unlock your, the room, uh, the, the door to your room using the app, literally. You can, it uses NFC technology. So most smartphones, I'll say uh, uh, from iPhone 10 on, so 10, 11, 12, 13, have this technology. Um, uh, the Samsung uh, phones have had this technology for even longer. But it's a little, uh, it's, it's the same technology that's in your credit card, right? When you can tap and pay, right? That's an NFC chip, right? That, that's NFC technology. This is coming for us. And, you know, one of the things that happened over the last couple of years was that, uh, especially during the pandemic, is that uh, QR codes became such a big deal. And NFC technology is just the extension of that. It's, um, it, it's, a, it's a more sophisticated nuanced way of using this, right? So instead of having to take out your phone and scan a, a, a barcode or a QR code, you simply just tap your phone next to it um, and, and it allows you to do a bunch of things. Um, it, it can allow you to, to open the door. It can allow you to check in for a ride. It can allow you to um, 
uh, to view menus, right? It'll, it'll pull up a, a specific website, allows you to, to order food and, and on and on and on. Disney has used this for years, right? We all know these, uh, or maybe you don't, but they have these magic bands. It's a wristband that you buy um, where you can put on, uh, you can just scan that uh, and, and put all your charges for your time at Disney onto that, uh, onto that band and it'll go and charge your, uh, charge your credit card at a later point. Right, So you don't have to worry about what you're spending or you don't have to think about what you're spending is probably a better way of doing it. Disney wants you to do this because they want you immersed in the world. And, and so their use of NSA technology was incredible. Again, let me go back and say that the app and how it integrates with, N- with the, NFC that's, uh, the NFC tag that's in your phone and how it uh, connects to the NFC tags all around the park is incredible. This app, while cumbersome and, and a little difficult and unwieldy um, to use at first, um, is a really robust tool. And, and as you're in the parks for a day or two or three, you really get the hang of it. So this app is a way for you to see wait times on all the rides when you're in one of the parks. The app is the way that you can purchase food, right? So you can purchase food ahead of time. Rather than going somewhere, waiting in line, ordering your food, and then waiting for it to be made, you can simply pick which vendor you want to use. You order your food, you, you pay for your food, and then it says, tell us when you're here. So I can order food across the park and walk there and say, hey, let's pick this restaurant or this, you know, th- this mobile ordering place, right? This um, this fast, uh, this fast casual location. It's right over by, I don't know, let's make it up. It's by, it's a small world. Let's order food over there. Let's tell them we're here when we get closer. We'll, we'll get our food, we'll eat our food. And then we're right next to, it's a small world. We can go do, it's a small world right after. This was so incredibly convenient to give us extra time in the parks. All the time we weren't wasting um, uh, in line. Uh, so again, the app was a way for us to, to see all the rides, to see all the wait times in the rides. So if we said, hey, which one do we want to go on? Let's, let's start by looking at which one has the shortest line. It also helped us order our food in the parks uh, so smoothly. And also, like I said a few minutes ago, uh, with the app, we could unlock our, uh, our door the door to our room when we got back to our hotel at the end of the night. So we didn't need a card. We didn't, we just needed our phone. Um, with the app, we also had the magic bands, which we thought we didn't need, uh, but in reality, they we found them to be much more convenient. So you can literally just tap your magic band if you want to buy something. Hey, this t-shirt's really cool. Boop, I want to buy it, right? Hey, this, um, I want to get a pretzel and a soda. Boop, I can just buy it. All of that then just gets charged back to your room because the magic band, the NFC tag that's in there, um, is connected to your, uh, to your account. So everything goes back there. Also, they do these things called lightning lanes now. Lightning lanes are the old, uh, are the newer version of what they used to call the fast pass. So on the app, you sign up for rides and when it's your time, you go and scan your magic band. So you never have to take your phone out of your pocket. Um, and this might sound like a small convenience, but it really was, um, it really was the way to go, especially when you're juggling, uh, you know, grandparents and a, a small child, right? Just getting everybody a band, everybody just, you know, scans on the little, um, you know, in the little, uh, you know, the little device when you walk into the ride, you scan right before you get onto the ride. We found it really convenient. That's NFC technology. 
So I've been talking about that. I spent a couple of episodes talking about that. I've done a couple of interviews where we've talked about NFC technology. QR codes are very quickly going to be outdated. So right now there's a lot of debate whether we should keep NFC tag, you know, I'm sorry, whether we should keep QR codes on the table, right? We want people to be able to access the menu. Pretty soon, it's just going to be an NFC tag, right? You can put that, um, you can embed that into just about anything. You can embed that underneath the table, right? And then you can scan your phone, you know, through that. There are all different ways that we're going to be able to use that. Just for the basic purposes that we want to use them for in restaurants. Disney is just taking it to the next level. And I'm telling you that there's going to come a time in the very near future when our guests, when this technology is going to become more widespread and our guests are going to start looking forward to this uh, and they're going to be uh, expecting that sort of convenience, that support, that sort of... Um, that, that, that sort of ease of use, this this frictionless experience. There was a lot about Disney that was obnoxious, right? There are still long lines. There are still huge crowds. You got to go through security checkpoints and then, you know, your ticket checkpoints. And you there's a lot of that, right? You're on overload. You're always, you know, you're always buying stuff. It's a very expensive trip. But what Disney is doing really well with NFC tags the magic bands and the NFC technology in your phone is allowing you to just to just immerse yourself a little bit more deeply in the experience, which is what they want. They want you to forget about the outside world for a day or for a week and just and just and just rest in this experience. The same is true in your restaurant, whether you realize it or not. You really want your guests to forget all about the fact that they're spending money, to forget about the fact that this is a transaction. What you really want is for people to succumb to the experience, to let go, to let you guide them. These NFC touch points uh, were an incredible way that Disney was able to accomplish their stated goal, right? So that's the first thing I want to talk about, right? The other piece goes hand in hand with that. The second story I want to tell is that what Disney does so, so well is that they immerse you in the world. You walk in, you check in, and very quickly thereafter, you forget all about the outside world. You are in, uh, you're in a totally different place, whether that's the Magic Kingdom, right? You check in, you go through the security checkpoint, you go through the ticketing checkpoint, so you, you prove to them that you have your tickets, and there's this beautiful building on a hill and you can either go left or right where you're basically walking through a tunnel. You're walking under a train track. And from that point on, you are immersed in the world of Disney. You can't see the outside world. You are in the world that they've created for you. And this was extraordinary. Now, again, I said at the beginning, you're going to say, well, Disney has the resources to do that. And you're right. But you have the opportunity and, 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 albeit maybe more limited resources, but you do have resources to be able to take people from the world they just came from and to, and to immerse them in your world. And, and in a small way, I think all operators everywhere want to do this, right? Now, you say, oh, well, I just, I run a sandwich shop. I run a, I run a pizza place. I'm not, I'm not fancy. It's not about immersion, but I don't think that's true. 
I think you want people to understand who you are and why you exist, even for just the briefest of moments. You want them to feel like they've arrived somewhere. Again, even if they're just coming up to pick up their takeout order, right? So they place an order over the phone, they come in, they pay, they pick up their pizza and go. But for that small window of time, albeit two minutes, five minutes, you can do things to engage with them at the level that's possible, right? Now, maybe that's something as simple as um, as making conversation with them in the two minutes. It's a transaction. I'm here to pick up my order. Oh, here it is. It's $28.75. Here's my credit card. Great. Can you sign here? See you later. I think we can do better than that. So here, here's part of this lesson is that we look at Disney right, as, the, as this apex, as look at all they're able to do. And they are able to do a lot, again, and that's what resources get you, to create beautiful spaces, um, to hire tons and tons of people, to train them to make your experience better. But again, you have a space, you can certainly make it into something. You have staff, you train the staff, it's all how you train them. Are you training them to provide the best possible experience you can? Or are you training them just to get the name, figure out where their order is, tell them how much they owe, and to run the credit card. Everybody at Disney is collecting my money because it's a transaction all day long. I'm buying food, I'm buying candy, I'm buying beverages, I'm buying merchandise, I'm, I'm buying all day long. It is a transaction. But Disney hides that really well. They cover that and make each connection a little bit more real than it is anywhere else in the world. And I'm here to tell you, this is the second point I wanna make, is that it doesn't have to be, right? How can you improve that interaction so that it becomes more than just a transaction? That's, that's one of the goals I want you to take away from this, from this conversation. I'll tell you, that's one of the things that I'm taking away, that I'm gonna bring back to all of my clients that I work with. Right. So the first one is their use of technology, the way they've integrated their app into the park going experience, the way they use NFC technology in their parks to uh, to make a, a frictionless experience so that you don't feel like it's a it's a constant transaction, even though it is right. And then this second piece is about immersing yourself and, and making the most of every single interaction right? Making sure that every interaction is, uh, is a good one, is helping to tell your story a little bit better. Now, the third piece is, uh, is probably my biggest takeaway, uh, and maybe just because it's fresh in my mind, because it just happened yesterday and, and today, right? So like I said, we've been at the parks for five days. This is our last day in the parks, right? We leave tomorrow. Yesterday, we went to Epcot, and Epcot, if, if you don't know, there are all these rides in the front part of the park. And then you go to the back part of the park and there's a giant lake. And it's like the tour of, uh, the, the tour of countries, right? Where you go around and there's um, all these different countries uh, are located, you know, have, have buildings all around the lake. So you can wander all the way around the lake and you feel like you're in Mexico. You feel like you're in Norway. You feel like you're in Japan and China and Italy and all the way around. In the back right corner of the park, right? So maybe like 10 or, I'm sorry, like two, like two o'clock on the clock face, right? Is France. And back in France, they have the new Ratatouille ride. Now I will tell you, my son is six and his favorite Disney movie of all time is the Pixar movie, Ratatouille. Back there, 
they sell these little Remy dolls. It's a little Remy shoulder pal. You cannot get these little dolls anywhere else in Walt Disney World except back in there, right? My mom, right, bought one of these Remy dolls for my son. So we went, we went in the ride. She snuck out, went to the gift shop, which isn't even right next to it. You got to kind of walk down an alley and find it at this specialty shop. She went with my wife and they went and bought this doll. They got one for him and one for, uh, one for herself. And we surprised him. We kind of stuffed it in the bag, hid it in my backpack. And when he went to go get uh, cotton candy about 15 minutes later, which was in the bag, he saw the, the Remy doll hiding there. Right? It was a little bit of Disney magic. That, that's, how we, that's how we played it. It was Disney magic. He flipped out. He was so excited. It went right on his shoulder. Um, uh, you know, He wore it on his shoulder. Uh, Grandma wore it on, on her shoulder. Um, it was awesome. He did that the rest of the day. Right? Fast forward to the next day. Today, this morning, we get to Magic Kingdom Right for our last day. We were ending our trip in the Magic Kingdom. We get in there early because we're staying on property. So we're staying in one of the Disney hotels. So we get um, early access to the park and we get back in there and the carousel is totally empty. So I, I asked him, I said, do you want to go on the carousel now? There's no line. And he said, yes, I do. So he went on with his two grandparents and my wife and I just hung off to the side. Sometime on that ride, he didn't realize it, but the Remy doll fell off his shoulder. He lost it. It, it, it. We didn't notice it for another, I don't know, four or five minutes until he got off the ride when he, he comes screaming, screaming to me. He's like, oh my God, where's my Remy doll? Where's Remy? Where's Remy? He's lost. We went back to the ride. We can't find him anywhere, right? I'm sure he fell off and somebody found him and said, oh, cool, a Remy. And they just kept him, right? They didn't think to turn it into to lost and found. I'm sure, you know, dolls and, and ears and hats get lost all day long in a park this big. We went and talked to the, to the woman who was running the ride and she gave us this special certificate. Um, it was, it's called No Strings Attached, right? It's a certificate and basically it says, give this, uh, give this family a free Remy doll because they lost it in, in, the, in the parks. And so she signs it and she, sends, she says, go, um, go talk to somebody at guest services. So I do that. My whole family goes to continue on in the park and I go to guest services. Um, I go to guest services and I explain the whole situation. And over the course of a few minutes, they formulate a plan. So what they're going to do is they're going to send what they call a runner, a runner from our hotel to go over to Epcot into the back corner of that park, into the France world, right, into the, the France exhibit, back to this gift shop, get the Remy doll, and bring it back to our hotel. Now, originally they said, well, we'll let you go over to Epcot. I'll just, uh, I'll make your pass today a park hopper. And I said, I can't do that. That's going to be an hour and a half for me to leave the Magic Kingdom, get on the monorail, go over to Epcot, go through all the security, all the checkpoint, go all the way to the back of the park, get Remy, come all the way back, go through security, go through the checkpoint again to get back into the Magic Kingdom. So that's, I'm going to lose an hour and a half or two hours of my day with my family. I really don't want to do that. There are things here in this park that I, that I really wanted to do. And they said, no problem. We're going to do this runner plan. So they sent the runner over. Now, this is where you're going to say, well, it's Disney. Of course, they've got the resources to be able to do it. But here's my point. This made our trip and it could have easily broken our trip. This one thing could have devastated, did devastate my son for about an hour of his life. And it totally turned us around. And I will tell you, 
all the great times, all the, all the, the, the food we had, all the, all the rides we were on, all the things we saw, the, the fireworks show, the light shows at, at Epcot, all the things that we saw and that we experienced, the first story we're telling everybody, I can promise you, we've already been talking about it all night tonight. The first story we tell people is going to be this story. This could have ruined our trip or really soured it. I got to be really honest. But Disney has put an infrastructure into place for just such an occasion. So again, yes, they have the resources. They've got the manpower. They can afford to do this. But the point that I want you to take away right now, the point that I want you to get is that Disney has acknowledged before the fact, ahead of time, they have acknowledged the fact that these things happen, that there are going to be certain things that happen unforeseen over the course of the day that have the potential of ruining or at least souring someone's trip. And they have put an infrastructure into place. Now, trust me, I bet you don't, they don't have one runner. They probably have a fleet of quote-unquote runners. These are people, extra bodies, who run errands like this all day long throughout the day, right? You have people in your restaurant that have less than stellar experiences. Things happen, right? Do you have an infrastructure into place for turning those experiences around? That's the takeaway that I want you to, that I, that I want for you here, right? That there are experiences in your restaurant that have the potential of ruining a meal and you have the opportunity each and every one of those times to turn it around and make it a positive experience. And not just a positive experience, but to be the most formative experience of their visit with you. You have the opportunity to create an experience that they're going to talk about. This is what I talk about a lot, right? We talk about attraction, retention, and evangelism, the triangle principle about how we market restaurants, right? Attraction, retention, evangelism says you need a reliable set of ways to acquire new customers. You need a reliable set of ways to get them to come back. And then finally, you need to create ways, a specific set of actions for creating evangelists, evangelists for your brand, for your restaurant. They are going to talk about you. What are they going to say? Or worse than that, it's going to be just good. They had, a, they had a fine meal. It was just good. And there's no reason to talk about it because nothing really bad happened and nothing really good happened. So this is tied in very closely to that. What are you doing? What are you putting into place for just such a for those occasions where somebody has a less than stellar experience? Because I'm telling you, the very worst experiences can be turned around to be the very best experience. And that was evidenced today by the way that the Walt Disney Company handled my son losing a $20 doll. What is so stupid, what, what could have been such a, such a minor thing. And, and most of us sit here and go, who cares? It's just a doll, but you can't get it anywhere. I can't buy it online. I can go to eBay, but I pay, you know, a hundred bucks to get it. And it's a used doll. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that it's going to be right out of the package or whatever, right? There's nowhere to get it anywhere in the parks, anywhere in any of the stores. It's just back at this one place. So we talk about uh, scarcity and exclusivity, all of that. And this could have been a real disaster for my family. And anybody listening here with kids understands that six-year-olds can't really be reasoned with, 
right? I, I can't say, well, look at all the other great experiences you had over the course of the week. He only sees the, this one loss. It was this one really special gift from his grandmother. It was a really special moment for all of us to share in, right? That Disney magic. It was a really horrific moment when all that magic went out the window. And I got to tell you, the magic was, was threefold when he realized that this, um, that this doll was waiting on his pillow tonight when we got back to the hotel. My trip to Disney reinforced so many of the things I already believe, and I hope that this can sort of reinforce these things with you. There are ways that you can apply these lessons into your own business. And again, I know Disney has resources. They got all the money in the world. They've got all of that. I get it. But you can take this and apply these into your restaurant in some small way. At the very least today, I want you to think about what your contingency plan is. What do you do when somebody returns their food and says, I don't want anything else? What do you do? What do you do when somebody calls and says, my takeout order was totally wrong? What do you do? What do you do when? What do you do when? All of the different things that can go wrong. I want you to think about what you do, right? That's what I want for you in this episode. So again, I appreciate you humoring me. Uh, I didn't have my fancy mic. We don't got the cool intro music, you know, none of that. But it was fresh. It was raw. I really wanted to share the story uh, before we got before we got any further along. So again, I appreciate you being here. Uh, if you've got some time and you haven't done it yet, go give us a, a five star rating on Spotify. Spotify now takes ratings. That really helps us out. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Um, leave a note that tells other people uh, what you like about the show, what you, what kind of value you get from the show, and why they should tune into the show, why they should uh, become a part of this community. If you haven't done that yet. That's the one thing you can do for me today that will make a really big difference. That's the thing, more than just about anything else, that will help boost us up in the rankings, that help, uh, helps us attract a, a larger audience. Uh, the, the, more, the more people we get uh, having these conversations, listening in, the more I'm able to do, right? The better guests I'm able to get, the more conversations uh, we're able to have. Again, I really appreciate you tuning in week after week. My name is Chip Close. This is the Restaurant Strategy Podcast. Stay creative, and I will see you next time.